This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week, I spoke with You'll Never Walk Alone, YNWA, a.k.a. Mark. He was the very first manager on So Rare and leads the all-time earnings list with over 650th of winnings. He plays full-time and represents the Blackpool Dow, and his gallery, if we were to be conservative, is worth over £4 million. It was an absolute pleasure speaking to him. He was very open, very honest, um, put in some good contrast and points, and uh, yeah, it was great to hear from him. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Mark, a.k.a. YNWA, or the other way around, it doesn't really matter. How are you? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Welcome, welcome. Thank you very oh, much. shit, I should have said it. I nice said to, to myself you. all day that I was going to say that, and then I forgot to say it. That's a disgrace. Welcome, Talk welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, look, thanks a million for coming on. You come on, look, you've been, you've been long... I don't know. I've needed you on the podcast for a long time. I think I've asked you a long time ago and just haven't got round to it, but we had a bit of a... Sorry, I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. I wouldn't say a disagreement, but I posted something on Twitter last week for people who listen to the podcast. Um, basically, me and Chani were chatting last week. Um, you should definitely go back and listen to it. It's still not out of date. And we got into... What did we get into? The limited roars, the fact that there were three of them for the 70-odd thousand managers in the casual division. I, I posted that rant in the wee sort of podcast clip on Twitter. Oh, generous, Serrera. I can't believe it. Exactly. So we're going to get to that, but that's what sort of ignited this and made this happen this week because it was like, I can't be arsed with essays on Twitter. Let's just talk. Um, but first, look, do you want to let people know, if anyone just listens and doesn't have a clue who they are, if, you're, if they're on Twitter, they'll know who you are. If they're on Discord, they probably have an idea. But if they just listen to this podcast for their information, who is YNWA? Well, yeah. First, thanks for thanks for having me on, and uh, I've enjoyed your content. It was good to get involved in the, uh, the festive one that you did with mm. uh, with the rest of the boys. Uh, I was COVIDed up then, so I probably wasn't at my uh, at my best. So, uh, no, good to come on. Um, in short, I'm a guy that's that's in recent times just been lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time with Sarah. Um Yeah, I think it really is as, as, as simple as that. And the world of crypto is a, a weird, a wonderful place. Um, but uh, by fortune, um, after some misfortune, um, yeah, I got introduced to Nicholas and Adrian, um, who we all know as the founders of, of Serer. And I was very fortunate to be part of the beta testing group that uh, they kicked off in February 2019. And uh, I've, I've, from day one, completely believed in, in their vision, in what they've wanted to build out. Yes, I think, you know, those that know me a little bit better have seen that I'm not afraid to speak up and be vocal when I think there are things that can be improved. And, you know, and I think that's healthy, uh, often healthy. It can be unhealthy if it's uh, it's put across in the wrong way. But, yeah, I think, um, you know, you've got some people in this weird and wacky world of NFTs that have, you know, flipped pictures of punks and pandas and cats and dogs and any animal or mammal or fish or uh, that you can uh, <laughs> you can possibly uh, put uh, in, a, in, a, in a jpeg um and by and large i've tended to resist the temptation of diversifying into any of these projects i've been always a little bit apprehensive about these hot potato projects fair play to those that have got the the brass balls to uh, to get involved and wade in um 
I've, I've always, I mean, probably through longevity, always felt that if I've got extra ETH to spend, there's there's no better project for me than, than putting into Sarah. For every ETH I put into Sarah, pretty confident I'm going to get the most out of it rather than, as I say, jumping onto what, what could be greener somewhere else. And you're obviously very passionate about football and Liverpool Football Club and the platform that is so rare fantasy. So like it's it's a beautiful thing, you know. This is a weird question that I haven't planned to ask you. Do you think if you've seen a more profitable, potentially profitable project that you were very confident in, would you jump at it even if it was something you didn't really have any passion for? I don't know if you play chess, but imagine it was some chess related NFT project and you felt the yields could be pretty good. Would you be jumping at it? Like, is it more passion or the money for you? Or it's obviously a mixture of both, but it's a weird question, but you kind of get what I'm going at. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, well, again, going back before pre sarah I, I can tell you it definitely was passion because uh, I did, I behaved and acted and, and did exactly the same thing in uh, a basketball game um, where the Discord channel was heavily US orientated. Um, so I was auctioning at one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, just had to be around. Um, and so, yeah, I played a game there that, fizzled out went to nothing and it was actually in that discord channels where where, where i met nicholas for the first time so yeah before Sarah, I, I don't think i was any different character wise behavior wise and threw myself into another project very similar to what i thought you know it was a franchised uh nba project i think before its time um and yeah did exactly the same as i as, as i do here mm. but it is more um, about the money these days i've got to be honest because you know, working, you know, and contributing with Blackpool, you know, it, it's about driving yield. Um, mm. And, you know, Sarare is, is only one vertical within the DAO itself. So I, you know, play my part. You know, there's three managers. I play my part to, to do what I can to deliver uh, results and, and yield. But, yeah, one of the reasons that for joining Blackpool, and I think we've touched on this before, was the ability to diversify. You know, I don't want to be 100% in Sarare as much as I love and am passionate about it. It does make sense for me personally to spread the risk. And one way of doing that for me was by joining a DAO where there are other specialists playing other games. There's going to be questions on Blackpool. I'm sure we'll get to them later. Um, some fun questions for you to field. But um, AJ yeah. did that a few weeks ago. <laughs> You're not getting off that easy. But look, um, I'm actually going to say something to everyone listening. Now, if you listen on Spotify, you have been able to sort of guilt-free not leave me a review for so long because you didn't have the ability. Um, Mark, you obviously have a podcast as well, a So Rare Podcast. The the first ever one. These are 60-odd episodes deep. I recommend everyone goes and listens to it. But anyway, all you Apple reviewers, I know most of you who can be arsed have left me a review, but Spotify, you have no excuse. Now there is a reviewing system on Spotify, so just open up the podcast's page and click five stars and close it back down and you can ignore me forever. But um, yeah, thanks to the 15 people who've already done that on Spotify without me prompting you. So yeah, it's great that they've introduced that. People on Spotify always just got away with it. Now no one has an excuse because no one listens outside that really. Maybe Google Podcasts, but like... I mean, come on. Um, is there music playing in your room? No, that's just my phone ringing. I've just uh, switched it off. Oh, jeez, no worries. Jeez, it didn't even get... But you see, we didn't give you the, the turn off your phone thing at the start. We had an alarm a few weeks ago. We had all sorts of things, but we're not out at night. We play on, the show goes on. So we'll open with the reason why I invited you, um, among many reasons. But 
my big rant about saying it's nothing short of a complete and utter fucking disgrace that there's three limiteds for 70,000 managers in the casual division. I stand by that in many respects. Um, no, and I think there is, I think the issue with Twitter as well is it's the character limit and it's black or it's white. It's hard to kind of, without actually having a really big conversation there, kind of, I don't know, portray your, your point. Maybe you just completely and utterly disagree and you don't think any more rewards should be given there. And that's fair too. But I would disagree no, look, I think, I think I think there's some middle ground. I don't want to be, you know, don't want to come in on question one with being an absolute bad cop and switching off uh, all, <laughs> all, your audience, all your audience, John. Um, because of the bottom line is that the paid version of the game is for the vast minority of people on Sorette. Obviously, yeah, to get people hooked, to get people interested and understand the concept, they've got to go through that process, the onboarding process. They've got to get to grips with the basic game rules. You know, you'd like to think they're probably going to have to taste a little bit of the tournament to, uh, to, to get a, a flavour for, for what's around the corner. But I've always been an advocate of, of Sorare potentially having two versions. And I've, I know different terms, but I've called them, you know, Sorare free to play Sorare pro Sorare, you know whatever whatever so rare light <laughs> yeah, yeah so rare light Sorare pro i think i did yeah we've used those before so for me when you're playing a game you know if Sorare had all the tools to give you a completely immersive free to play environment do whatever you want you know there's lots of things they can do they can throw xp at you they can throw all sorts of of stuff to to keep you engaged but unfortunately as soon as you start offering rewards that have significant real world value okay you, you you're running the risk of another topic i know you love talking about multi-accounting you, you you run the you run the risk of people going there's a loophole there excellent what i can do and, and as we've seen so many unfortunate situations again in crypto where people you know get rug pulled and lose money we don't like the bot situation on Sorare where there's certain people that gobble up cards because people did a mislist and stuff like that. All you're doing is you're going to encourage bots to come in, open up crazy amounts of accounts because they now see 10 rewards available or 20 rewards available or 50 rewards available. So it is a fine balance. Maybe three is too stingy, but it's not much more. I don't think we need mm. to suddenly start going into the Oh, you finished 187th. Congratulations. Yeah. You get a car. That he, there's an actual NFT that you can sell. There, I think, are ways that uh, people can be celebrated for, you know, doing well in, in the rookie league. Um, mm. But it shouldn't have to come down to, oh, I finished 16th and I didn't get a card that was worth anything. I'm no longer going to go and consider playing the paid version. Well, if that's the case, then the gameplay wasn't enticing enough in the first place for you to, to even think or consider about putting money in. So I don't think that that's a lost conversion. Um, the lost conversion part comes from the gameplay not being exciting enough, not the rewards. You see, I think, as you say, it, there is that middle ground. The bottom line is I think we're going to agree on this in many respects. Whenever I say it's a complete and utter disgrace that it's three, I do still think, I think three stingy, given the amount of limited cards that won't even be minted this season, Hypothetically, um, the amount of DMP cards, the amount of tier three cards that are worth one euro, two euros that won't be minted. 
I think particularly with the likes of I don't know how much marketing FIFA or how much marketing Sorare are doing or how many affiliate type of things they're pushing. Um, but the, with the likes of Nepenthes and Chani coming in, plugging out videos, they're getting their 30 referrals in half a day. And I'm seeing under their videos and on their Twitter posts, people comment saying, oh, when did the rewards come in? When did my common reward come in? These people, albeit, you know, how much money are these FIFA sort of players, these, this younger generation coming in with? Um, but I think a lot of them are coming in and they are kind of being coaxed into the, the casual league to give it a go. And I just feel that with three rewards, it's almost a kick in the bollocks. And I feel like maybe it's only 10. Maybe it's only 25, whatever, really low value things just to get them going. So that, you know, to give people the opportunity to trade from the paperclip up to the car, up to the house, to give the opportunity to get in the ladder. Now, you could say, okay, just go and deposit a fiver, then go and deposit a 10, and then anyone can do that. And that's fair too, and I get that. But I do think there's more so rare can do there um, outside the three rewards. I don't, I'm not saying it needs to be 100. I'm not, someone suggested 1,000 in comments. Someone suggested 100 in comments. I think that's too many. Um, I'll get round to multi-count in a second. Another thing I think so rare could do, it's a really small thing, but even just the cosmetics, you know, the achievements, the club shop, all that, the awards, the coins, that's a fun thing you can give out in casual for free. That engages people. That's a wee flex. You know, this younger gaming generation coming from FIFA, coming from Fortnite, coming from whatever, they love skins. They love things that make them look cool to their mates. Do you know, finish top 100 in the casual league five times and you get the winner's umbrella or some bollocks. Do you know, these things add clout and add social status and they are ideas that so rare can very easily and for free stick in and I've no doubt they'll come down the line I've no doubt they're too spreadly thin at the minute to implement something as silly as that really um there's there's more there's more pressing issues for them to be quite frank but oh yeah I'll, um, I'll completely agree and I think also it's 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 a look at uh, refining the process as well the onboarding process you touched on it there different influences you know for me and this is you know as, as good as some of these new influencers are, as far as I'm concerned, they don't understand the game sufficiently enough to be have granted affiliate status at this stage to be the ones that are responsible for to educate the next generation of Surreal users. So mm. I'm quite happy to put it out there. When you see some of the comments or you see some of the tweets, or I've, I've listened to some, some content and I'm like, I don't think you've quite grasped the game yet. Uh, and if that's the person that's responsible for then educating another thousand or two thousand people, then it's, it's going to go wrong from the beginning because people are it's the blind leading the blind there. I'm not saying that we should all go through some sort of proficiency test, but I think also when you go on to Surrey, and this is a topic which you know hopefully some things will come to light in the next couple of months. But when you look at a Surrey manager, let's say I go onto your page, John Knollis, whatever your account is, and I look at your club right now. There's very little information I can glean about you, you know, other than you might have a Discord handle, you might have a Twitter handle. That's about it. Can't really, you know, I could go to Surrey Data and I can get an indication of maybe some of your success. I can then take a look at maybe some of your trading history and get a feel for you as a manager. But right now, somebody new coming on and looking at someone else is, is probably going to misjudge them. They're going to just go straight by, oh, look, this guy's got a big gallery. Oh, guy, this, this person's got a smaller gallery. You know, there's, there's no real way of seeing who you're dealing with. And I think it's very important for any new user playing the game. And there isn't you know, really a mentoring program as such. I mean, when someone says, you know, I've got this budget, what can you recommend? Mm. You know, if it's under a certain level, I'll go, well, look, there's guys like Surreal on a budget who does amazing things. Follow this Twitter account. You know, from there you can spin off and you can find other people that will probably all be talking in the similar ballpark figures to you. And hopefully you can find your way there. 
but there's 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 no real you know where's where's that defined process to really help on board now i think mm. i'm right in saying you can find that in more of the nation nationality based communities so your german starts today great you know i know spicer you know does a lot of good work for the german community and he's built another followings there you'd feel pretty confident sending a german in towards the german community and they'd be looked after mm. italian into the italian community spanish into the spanish community i know cancer did does a great job there as well. But for the average everyday affiliate who may well have a, a broad range of, of, of followers on YouTube or whatever their chosen social channel is, I, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more knowledge skin in the game before they start banding out, oh, join this, join that, get this free, this, get this free, that. Because I think that potentially is damaging because they're conditioning these, these people that are either going to be conditioned to succeed or conditioned to fail based mm. on their expectations that they've been sold on. It's but interesting. No, it's caught me off guard because, look, I am one of these YouTube dickhead affiliates who's come in and maybe whenever I came in initially, I was quite raw. And, you know, I'd came from the football index world and I was never an affiliate of that. And I was in a thing called Footstock that was kind of fizzling out, but still kind of, <coughs> I was still happy enough with it and had a bit of money in it. I was still, you know, I was still sponsored by them and I genuinely did like the concept. It was, I don't know how much you knew about it or followed it. We'll not get into it, but yeah. it was kind of like so rare without blockchain. Um, so I liked the concept the whole kind of ownership of these cards and how there wasn't true ownership. But anyway, whenever I seen so rare coming up and Hybe was obviously going balubas on it and Quinny was going mad and, you know, I joined it and I really liked it. And I was like, do you know what? A lot of people from Football Index are into this. I should probably look at maybe being sponsored by these guys. So when I reached out about it, had a call with Brian, ended up being an affiliate. And I jumped in then and started making videos. And I got very lucky when I put those videos out because they SEO very well on YouTube now. But... At that time, I definitely wasn't qualified to give out information in terms of what people should do. I mean, I told them probably what the the sort of meta or the way they that a lot of people are doing it is, but by no means maybe was I deep in it or, or well educated enough to really give out enough like strategy and stuff like that with any sort of anything behind it. But it's a weird one, I think, because like. <sighs> It's kind of got me thinking, you know, with a bunch of like sort of YouTubers and new con content springing up everywhere. Not even just existing YouTubers from different spaces, even just it's a new year. Loads of people are buying webcams and microphones and starting to make things. And I mean, I think they're, it's all about how people preface things. If people started as if they're an expert or like, you should do this because of that and you should deposit and do this. I think that's really dangerous. But I think people just sharing their passion for so rare and having fun and because people people wanting to watch that and following them with it i think there's they're kind of two different things and there's a responsible way to do it do you know yeah and, and i think that i think 100 percent, and, and i think it just needs some fine tuning from the affiliates who are, are prepared and happy to go and support the game and show their love for the game they need to have also the support from the sarah side to make sure that the onboarding process is slick is encouraging uh, is enticing so that they don't have to necessarily do as much of the selling or telling and it becomes more of a direction play. You know, if mm. someone's got 20,000 YouTube subscribers, fantastic. I'd love Brian to to call everyone like that and get them doing, a, a you know, one of their uh, next uh, broadcasts on Sarare. But don't necessarily need think we need to see every single affiliate, you know, trying to get their, you know, 
trying to profess that they're, that they're perfect about the game. It needs to be directed only to the Surreal site. Go and try this. And then, you know, maybe there just needs to be a, a library of trusted sources. Um, you know, I think people will naturally find their way towards people that they like to listen to, they like to watch, or they mm. feel uh, some sort of connection with. So the more the more that's out there, the better it is. People that, you know, um, correspond to you very well, maybe don't correspond, you know, with, with one other person. So they value coming to you once a week to get their, their mm. fix for Sarah, um, because they haven't managed to make that connection elsewhere with another content creator, or they've really picked up on something that you've told them that has gone on to become true and they've ended up making a profitable trade mm. or they've ended up playing, you know, well in a tournament because of something you said, or from something you, one of the comments that's in your, in your, in your channel. And then again, they're naturally going to gravitate back to you and they're going to follow you. Mm. I guess that's how you, you cultivate your following anyway. Um, but yeah, I think long story short, going around in a circle on, on this segment, it's it's affiliates great, but I think initially there should be more more direction rather than, you know, there's quite a lot of scattergun. And I think it can be quite mm. dangerous because we're talking about a game where, you know, it's high risk. You know, people aren't spending small amounts of money. And so there is there is a lot at stake. And, you know, we can all have a bit of fun with FIFA coins every now and then. But FIFA coins is very different to spending one or two ETH on Sarek cards. Yeah. No, I, I, th I think it's all about a big thing about it's maybe the guidance and how you guide people. And I think something that I'm very conscious to do. And look, I have no doubt that whenever you make hundreds of hours of content on a subject, no doubt you'll slip up and say the wrong thing at some stage or there will be a wee tidbit of like someone could snip 15 seconds of me phrasing something wrong. But like I try to be very careful not to ever tell people you should join so rare. I always like to put it more like if you're thinking of joining so rare, please use my link or, you know, do you know that type of way? I think there's a very big difference in sort of saying so rare is amazing, everyone you should join it, or saying I think people find me generally, and I don't need to consider that. If, if I think if you have a different audience and you're bringing that different audience, it's almost a different vibe because you're almost selling so rare to your audience. Whereas whenever your audience is with at you because you make so rare content purely. They, they find you because they're already into so rare, they've already found it or they're already thinking of joining and it's almost different. But something that's, in terms of like the guidance and how you guide people in those early stages, it's something I'm finding really, really tough recently. Something I never do in DMs and I get them every day is like, who should I buy with my first point one ETH? Who do you recommend, mate? And I'm like, I don't tip players. That's just what yeah. I say. I'm sorry. I don't tip players. So rare data, player finder, go and have some fun. Um, But... So rare aren't really helping content creators at the minute in any way, shape, or form. And sorry, regardless of content creators, affiliates. You know, it's it's well, affiliates and content creators, I suppose. Anyway, it's impossible to know what to advise beginners to do these days. And maybe it is hard. Maybe 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 we shouldn't really be advising them what to do, and they should make up their own minds. But at the same time, people come in, they want to get engaged, they want to talk to someone they can trust, and they want to get off on the right foot. And you do it with anything in life that you're new to. You talk to people who know more about it than you, and you hope you can get off the best you can possibly get off. And at the minute, it's impossible really to guide people. I'm sitting telling people, if I was you, on your budget, I would probably, I always say, aim as high as you can. You can trickle back down. That's what I like. That's what I like to suggest, because that's what I would do. That's what I tell my my dad, my cousin, that's what I would tell them to do. But it's hard at the minute because, you know, people are coming in, depending on the budget, but most people kind of come in and have their eyes on that threshold. That threshold could be gone in three weeks. <laughs> Do you know? It could be gone in two years. I have no idea. And I have to keep prefacing Like, mate, I have no idea what to tell you. I did a beginner's tutorial a year ago and I've wanted to do one since, but I said, do you know what? I'll wait for the limited scarcity. Uh, okay, look, I may as well wait for the progression bar now. 
And we're still here and I'm like, do I just put out another tutorial with old news that's going to sit there that people will find and it'll be outdated or do I wait? So I think this kind of, and we are in limbo and I'd rather show where I get it right than get it out quick. But at the same time, it's really hard to know what to tell people. Do you know, it's no, really I, hard I, to I, know I, how I, to advise people. But you, you can tell people without telling people. I mean, if you're providing good quality content, the bottom line is, I mean, in this podcast, in the podcast that Hybe and myself do, I think this, I, I enjoy the surreal stories. So when we have our guests on, I really enjoy just listening because everyone has taken a completely different path. And that, that just, you know, just plays into what you've said. It's very difficult to direct someone because everyone has coming from a very different you know, starting point and everyone's joining at a very different starting point. Mm. You know, some of the questions I know that were on the, on, the, on the list for today were about, you know, what would you do if you started now? What would you do differently if you did this? And it's like, yeah, I mean, you got to take a free, sh- free shot, free shot from where you are today, free frame where you are today. You know, yes, starting today with ten ETH is different to starting three months ago with five ETH. It's different to starting twelve months ago with two ETH. And this, this, and so yeah, it's not one size fits all. So I think as long as people like yourself are continuing to stay true to who you are, which you do, and as I say, I think you know you you fall into a pattern where you actually just want to have some fun with other players that are playing the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think there's quite a bit of pressure on any influencer or affiliate that wants to try and you know help steer new users onto mm-hmm. the platform because you know it is you, you do have to be careful. And I think to say it's very difficult to provide generic advice that that works for everybody. But if you are just simply displaying passion towards a subject and overall knowledge towards a subject. You know, then I think inevitably you will get spin-off DMs and you will get people that, you know, join sub-communities and they'll find their way that way. Uh, mm-hmm. And if they just see you as that trusted focal point, okay, well, this person follows John and, you know, these other people, they seem to like John and trust what he says. So, all right, well, I don't mind, you know, joining mm-hmm. this community now because we're all in the same boat. I feel comfortable asking my questions here. And, you know, I think now the biggest difference in the Discord communities is that they've got you know, thousands of users now. Okay, so you will get some idiots, that, you know, smart Alex that pop in and uh, and try and say a few funny things from time to time. But more often than not, someone asks a genuine question now, they will get a genuine answer. And if that answer is incorrect, someone else will step in over the top and say, that is wrong, this is mm. the answer. So I think from a new user's perspective now, as long as they're on all of the major, you know, Discord channels, or as I say, following the, even the, uh, the main Twitter uh, feeds then they will find their way as long as they're not too hasty or you know they you know we all know everyone likes to spend before they they're ready to spend mm-hmm. uh, so i think you know the biggest tip i don't think it was a question but if it was biggest tip don't spend until you really know what you're spending on um yeah i think i think there's enough sub communities and good content out there now that you can find a way if you do want to follow you know generic questions and answers it's one of those look I've said this and I say this every week as well people listening are laughing their heads off saying John seriously every week but I want to talk to you about this because I think it's pertinent to the conversation Um, but I've definitely said it like the last three podcasts in the bounce because it keeps kind of half coming up I've found and I just think it's kind of as I said pertinent and I actually can't get it out because I know everyone at home is judging me for saying it again basically my point is that whenever I joined So Rare and I started that journey I was in the trenches with that smaller budget on that journey and it was very easy to make content for that type of person because that's the type of person I was. But the more I've invested time-wise financially, the more I've deposited, the bigger my gallery's grown. 
it's harder to relate to someone starting out now because no one, not point not not one percent of players who sign up to so rare, unless they're a bottle bore, come in and deposit the amount my gallery's worth off the get go and build a gallery like mine straight from the go. So it's hard for me to answer the questions because I'm not following that end of the market. I'm not looking at those players. It's like you, I mean, look at your fucking gallery. You're not looking, well, I imagine you're not looking at budget challenger options to grind out in D4. So whenever people come to you for advice on that, it's very hard for you to actually give them the best advice they can get. So it makes it harder, you know, again, and it, it's almost this paradox of the more you try to help and the more you're investing in terms of your equipment, in terms of your content to help, you almost become more detached but do you know no i, I agree and I, and I think where you're at in your journey now and you, you've done remarkably well to to you know you've been on that journey and you, you've got to a sizable gallery is you're competing against other people that you know have got galleries of your size you know yeah, yeah. For, for, maybe people don't want you to make a bad decision but the bottom line is you're going to lay your under 23 team out every week now in division three you got a chance of winning a you know 0.6 0.7 card like you did today. Um, you know you're going to be in a position where if you make an incorrect selection, someone else is going to be there snapping at your heels to take. And are they really going to tune in to listen to you? You know, um, with the greatest respect, when they're competing against you, you know mm. they want to listen to the juicy gossip part. They want to have a bit of fun. They want to have a bit of banter. They don't necessarily. I, I can't imagine they're going to come in and, and want to try and learn something because yeah, I think, yeah. think Brees was said something on Twitter as well, you know, when, when I think he sided, I agreed with him in, in his points because he zigs when other people zag. And I think that's also something which is underestimated in Sarah. And I, I alluded to it, alluded to it a little bit previously when I said, you know, I was stockpiling defensive midfielders or I was stockpiling fullbacks because I was hoping that the scoring matrix would change. Okay. I didn't. And I've subsequently gone on the sold those now, but you know, there's so many people that chase form right now, which I feel, has you know very big upside if you get it right, catastrophic if you get it wrong, um, and you know then there's people that are doing the injury side of things, which are like all oh, the suspensions. Okay, I'm going to buy a card that's out of form, that's out of favour, you know, and I'm going to sell that in. And these are two very very different um, uh, strategies that you can deploy if you've got the ability. You can deploy them both. If you've got a large mm. gallery, you can afford to sit on people that are injured. Don't have to panic sell in order to free up funds to then go and buy someone that is going to play the following week. Um, so we're all, we're all competing against each other in, in very, very different areas. Um, mm. You know, most, I think most of the, the larger account holders on Sarer, yeah, they play Division 4. Do they play Division 4 with their best players? No, they don't. They play Division 4 with the players that they've decided not to use in Division 3. So you're actually coming up against, unless you've got an absolute uber whale that's got, you know, choices to their blue in the face you know i will set my teams and at the moment because the prizes dictate it i set my division three teams after my division one teams and then maybe i'll look at division two and then maybe i'll look at division four if i've still got loads of choices in division four great but you know there'll be people that prioritize division four so the new guys or the guys who are working with a division four division three type budget they've still got i think the opportunity to beat wales because their Division 4 team should be the very best team that they've got. Whereas a Wales mm. Division 4 team is probably going to be the cards that they've got left over. Mm. A, f- a funny one just on that kind of advice and like competing with people, but also being friendly. Like, it's not so, I'll be honest, I never would like be looking at people and 
thinking I'm competing with them, even though I am. And maybe I need to be a bit more like that. I think like, but I think that's why we're your little kind of sub communities and people who you trust and everyone who shares their information with each other. And it's kind of mutually beneficial for everyone. And, you know, if one of us wins, we all win type of thing is great. Just a wee story on that. Uh, I don't know if he's listening. I hope he is. Hendo, uh, Ross Hendo, who's had an amazing run in under 23s recently. If he says jump, I say hi, hi these days because he gets calls right all the time. But he said about buying a Yari Versharn. He bought a Yari Versharn Super Rare off Pavel a month or two ago and he put it in the wee group that I'm in. And I was like, oh, I might get in that. I was looking for another 23 midfielder and he's got a few, he gets calls right all the time. He just won his Mbappe, I think. And I was like, absolutely. So I bought one as well. We both played our under 23 rare pro teams this week. We both had our Yari Versharn in there. We both had our Trent in there. And uh, he had an Mbappe, I think, like a face, white face. Uh, we both had, no, he had a Bodart Knight of Vandervert who scored the same. But I played the Raphael Leao that I bought off you, actually, and a Buscagli. But bottom line is here, I wouldn't have bought that for Sharon had Hendo not tipped me off. And I pipped him this week in that division by four points. Now, he still got a decent reward. I got a decent reward. But those margins, had he not told me that advice, I don't come close to him that week. Maybe I win the division, maybe I play a completely different team. Oh, you know that's maybe not how it works but it just makes me laugh it's that kind of quite often I know I forget and probably everyone forgets we're playing against each other because we're all just so buddy buddy and friendly and helping each other but at the end of the day you know there's only a certain amount of people who win rewards every week no and, and that number is going to diminish uh, or mm. I, it, the percentage I believe should diminish so yeah as you said at the moment we're, we're all operating in this cozy ecosystem you know you come in you get on the serrere chain Choo-choo. invest in eve boom 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 one and a half boom 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 two doesn't matter where you are the train is rocket whatever whatever method of transport you choose to to, to use we are going from similar to the graph that's behind me right now you're going from bottom left to top right and unless serrere or, or until or unless serrere makes some very very drastic changes or unless the amount of new managers join the platform far quicker than they can print or produce cards, this trend is, is, is here to stay for a little bit longer. Now, at some point, the market will mature. And at that point, you know, everyone that's posting that they've made one ETH worth of rewards each week is probably going to have to get content with half an ETH of rewards or a week on, a week off, a week on, a week off, because, you know, we're seeing it every week. The points you need to to finish in the prizes, they're going up and up and up and up and up. You're gonna you, you're nearing to have you, you got a bit close to, to near perfection, eighty five points on average a player to get in the prizes at some point. You would think, you know, there's mm. going to be a stack that goes off, and there's going to be twenty to fifty people that have four of that stack plus something else plus your you know your cheap Morioka or your cheap Tadic that goes off and completes a, a, a monster score for you. So right now, we can be friendly, you know, we can share advice. Oh, by the way, that guy's DMP. Oh, you missed him. He's got COVID. Da, 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 da. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. But, you know, I, I think maybe I noticed it a little bit more than in, in Division 1, because where Division 1, you can really see there are only three or four prize placings. Uh, mm. So you finish fifth and you get nothing. It's not like you finish fifth and you get Tier 3 or Tier 2 something you get nothing so it is at that point you know you really do have to work out okay i'm competing against you i'm competing against you you've got those two buying players okay you've got three interplays you've got two uve you know your transfer decisions your selection decisions where you second guess where one manager is going to place their cards 
or are they going to prioritize the unique division this week or perhaps they're going to go for under 23 or perhaps they're going to go here you know it's a lot more calculated in division two division three as you get more and more users you know okay yeah difference between van der Voort and bodart is a coin flip you know you're going to get lucky one week you're going to get unlucky another week but in division one where you pretty much know the base core teams of your of your main rivals you know information i think is even more critical can i hit you with a hard one right now that's unscripted or planned but it's on the blackpool front Ooh, it's just coming away you're talking about division one you're talking about information's key you're talking about competing with each other but you're all batting for the same team do you share your lineups with each other before you put them in because it would make sense well, too it does make sense too the answer to that is that there'll be occasions where someone says i'm putting my Mbappe here it's like, all right fine I personally will not tell anyone what I'm putting in, in, in a lineup. You know? Tell me this. When did Nicholas give you a call and say that they're going to single scarcity divisions? <laughs> when did he call me? It's actually when I called him to tell him which date they should should start it from. Did you want to know that date? <laughs> yeah, tell us the date. When is it? Well, I gave him two options and he said he'd get back to me. No. Okay. Um, Look, this is this is a funny one, isn't it? It's one of those things that uh, oh, we haven't had a bit of fun for a while. What can what can we try and stir up some crap with? Oh, look, single scarcity because YNWA seems to think it's likely to happen. Um, look, single scarcity for me goes back to the onboarding side, and there was somebody on Twitter that posted a pretty cool chart that went like all yeah, all white, white yellow, all yellow, mm. yellow and a bit yellow, yeah, I've seen red, that, etc. That to me makes a lot of sense. I th- and I think that is something which would potentially come as a stage two. I think initially the onboarding to the masses, and I'm thinking about this again, and if we upset half of the customer base at the moment, but it ends up we end up getting 10 times the customer base as a result of some some big changes, then you know, starting out pure white, pure yellow, pure red, pure blue, pure black. It just makes sense to me. And there are things that you can do. Please, for those uh, looking at this to literally open your imagination, there are things that you can do to to make things a little bit more competitive within each scarcity itself. But I just feel from an onboarding point of view, nothing else. And these leagues then start to unlock as you get cards of that scarcity to, to make you eligible for them. And it's something to aspire to. And, and I know the reason that people are going to be upset. People are going to be upset because of goalkeepers. They're going, oh, I don't have a goalkeeper that fits in this division. Mm. Or I'm going to... Okay, but there can be rules around that to make sure that you don't have to go and spend a fortune or sell you all your extra out to outfielders to, uh, to, to, uh, uh, to, to to field that as well. But at some point, there, I think, you know, we have to play the game as though there's going to be changes. And we touched on this before, before we press record. You know, we're in such a cosy environment at the moment... I play Sarare as if tomorrow Sarare cards will lose 50% of their value, maybe even 75% of the value. You know, the only time that I will ever get concerned is if I don't feel as though my collection has got the ability to yield me a return. So it doesn't matter to me whether my whether you think my cards or someone thinks my cards are worth X, Y, or Z. What's important to me is that I see a route to being able to make a yield on a weekly basis that allows me to do what I'm doing. If I don't see that that yield potential is there any longer, that's when I would start to panic. Mm. So I don't mind if ETH drops by 50% tomorrow. I don't mind if people perceive the value of cards to drop by 50% tomorrow. 
as long as there's prizes being put into the pool and as long as I feel as I've got a decent chance of taking a part of some of those prizes, and even if I was to fire sell those prizes and one or two ETH, one or two ETH, one or two ETH, as long as that exists, then then I'm happy to play through a bear market. And I think there's a lot of people out there that go, oh, my my portfolio has now gone up to six ETH or it's gone up to 10 ETH or it's now worth 20 ETH. And they're they're fantastic. And congratulations. And if, if that's the metric that you value your success on, perfect. But for me, it has to be, well, when the music stops, if we do go through a bear cycle, at what point uh, are you going to be in a position where you're going to say, ah, I need to better yield here. And if you don't yield, then it's irrelevant what value your your, your collection is at if you're not being able to continue to generate a, a return from it. But again, that's just the way I see it. Some people do take, you know, oh, I've gone from five ETH, I've gone to six, I've gone to seven. Well, only if someone's prepared to pay you seven for it. Mm. I think the single scarcity stuff's been talked about before. I just wanted to hear your your take on it. What's, your, um, what's, the, what's the downside as you see it? The downside, I'm not a massive... <sighs> I think like it obviously forces people to have five of any one of any one suit of any one color of any one scarcity. I think like it makes it hard for me to probably push D two. Like I'm in a position where I can now. I just Fabian de Kaiser's become a starting goalkeeper. I lost Schubert, who's a super rare goalkeeper for me. It would it would put a lot of people who play D three and have their two super rares. It would make a lot of them sell their super rares and just stick to rare. I think I think at the minute. D2 is a big step. It's a really, really big step from where most people are, which is rare cards. Do you know, most people are on rare cards and they might dabble, have a couple of super rares and push a wee D3 team. But I think being able to push up the D2 and keep your wee rare goalkeeper um, and have some speculative... And I suppose whenever you're... Th- I'm, I'm trying to think while I'm talking here. I think if you have four super rares that are you're competing in D2, then surely you can push the boat out and readjust things and... You should be able to buy a super rare goalkeeper. Will the super rare goalkeepers, if everyone needed one, not just be like stupidly priced? Like stupidly priced to the point that it's just a massive bottleneck. Kind of like, it would just be like what we see when people come in the door and want to play D4. They have to use their common goalkeeper. We would see that except like even more at the D2 level because there's 10 times less of them. Possibly. Or there could be uh, an introduction or a rule change that allowed for reserve goalkeepers, third choice goalkeepers to... Also, score, score 35 or 25 or something you said before, 15 points or 20 points, just an yeah. arbitrary figure for being I mean, on the bench type of thing. Putting to, putting to one side the, to get the scarcity, the key, I think, and we've all gone around this, your content, Quinny's content, everyone's content is, I think the biggest kicker is there's still the lack of utility for tier two and tier three players. So, yeah. you know, I don't think anyone's, you know, whether we wake up tomorrow and we say changes in the divisional eligibility it's be all and end all the biggest change that can come is giving us some sort of news that will give us more enjoyment and more reasoning to to look at tier two and tier three super rares and potentially tier two and tier three three rares as well because whilst you know everyone that this this train that i've been to everyone that's on this train at some point gets to a collection where they're pretty content they either take some money out, mm. de-risk their position, or they get to the stage where they, you know, I don't really need to go and buy any more players now. And I think Sarah needs to inject that into the database again, because there are a lot of people that have plateaued at D3. 
as I say, they might dabble in D2, but they haven't really give, been given the, you know, the real, real reason that's to go me, into like, D2 yet. Yeah. That's me. And like, I, 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 D3, I put probably two or three D3 lineups in a week, but I probably won't submit a D2 because it's not worth it at the minute to jeopardize my D3 lineups. Do you know, I could put in under 23 um, D2 now. I could play De Kaiser and Gold now that he's there. I could probably play like a Shugawara or. I have a better super rare defender who's eluding me now. Anyway, let's call it Sugawara or Melvin Bard. And then you're talking Yari Versharan, Raphael Leao, Jonathan David. That's solid enough. Do you know? There's a few nice yeah. players there. But like, why would I jeopardize the two, two and a half D3 lineups that they're going to be powerhouses in? No, it I agree. It's not like, sense. I mean, again, say, I completely understand the, 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 the mindset. Someone's got £500 in the game. It's difficult for them to justify spending another 100 you know, why should mm. I spend another hundred? Let me just wait. I'll get, I'll win the hundred and, you know, and then I'll see what happens. You've got five grand in the game. You're probably not going to be rushing right now to go, I'm going to spend another grand. And if you've got 50 grand mm. in the game, you're probably going to go, right, who am I going to spend my next 10 grand on? Because you're in, an, in, in, in a system whereby you're going to go from five to six to seven to eight if you play the game reasonably well anyway. So why would you dip into your back pocket and find another grand or another two grand or another five grand? But my point now is that there are some super airs on the market. We've all seen them and we all turn our nose up at them every day. You know, I could go and buy a forest of super air players tomorrow at 0.1 to 0.2 ETH and there'd be some yeah. good stuff in there. You know, we could all turn into Pavel Trader overnight and spend all of our money on, you know, buying up a load of dross in the hope that one day that guy will have an L5 worth talking about and I'll better put them back on the market and sell them for twice the amount. But regardless of the L5 or whatever happens, if Sarah turn around tomorrow and say, this is what's happening, and everyone interprets it as being positive for super rares, what's going to happen? Well, the people that yeah, don't yeah. own super rares are now going to have gone, oh, they're even further away from where I, 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 I need them to be to make that jump viable. Mm. And everyone with super rares is going to be going, thanks very much indeed. I'll put the ones I don't want out on the market at twice what they were yesterday. Now, I'm not saying we should all speculate and buy super airs on the expectation that the next rule change is going to be positive and then we all do well in Division 2. But there has to be, this back to Brees and the Zig and the Zag, there has to be something where everyone's paying, people are paying 2.7 ETH for Thomas Muller Rare right now. 2.7 ETH for Thomas Muller Rare. Okay, mm. that's no problem. So if you've got 5.5 ETH and you're considering to buy another card like Thomas Rare, why would you not buy Thomas Rare for 2.7 ETH and perhaps speculate on a dozen 0.2 or 0.25 Super Rares? Tuck them away. It's the same thing. Mm. Is, that extra, is that extra rare going to get you more and more placings over and above what you've got? Or at some point, do you think, you know what? I'm pretty well sorted. Like for yourself, John, you can play Division 3 to your heart's content now. You're not incentivized to go and buy a Super S to play Division 2. But do you not feel that at some point, Serrera are going to change the formulas and make it so that you should be wanting to progress from D3 to D2? And instead of you going spending, I, know, I don't know who your next main target to buy is, whether it's someone like Trent or Mbappe or someone like that. But you might think, tell you what, the next two to three ETH I earn, why don't I tuck that away in a bunch of Super S? You might only get two or three for it, or you might decide you want to go at the half and ETH level and buy five or six of them, tuck them away. And then it's not about, can I play Division 2 and can I yield from Division 2 straight away? It's, are Sarah going to fix Division 2? 
If yeah. they do, my half an ETH super rare player surely is going to be more attractive to the average person. And someone that wants to play Division 2 is probably going to better step up and go, I'll pay 0.75 for that now. I'll play, I'll pay one for that now because the rewards in Division 2 are pretty good. They're worth me going for. A recent a recent example of this is the Legends, I feel. Um, I talked about it for a few weeks here and I talked about it on a stream, potentially even on the, the drunk cast when you were there. Mm. I talked about it on a couple of pieces of content about the Legends and about how no one wanted Legends. I had 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4 in the balance from selling a couple of cards or whatever and I said, all right, I'm going to build a Legend team. I bought six Legends just to have one to kind of play with um, before all that. Now, again, I wish I had conviction in that speculation because I was sitting talking about it saying it only makes sense. They're go- they're not going to leave Legend owners in the lurch. They're just not going to do it. It's too bad. You can't just not do So something's going to come out and everyone's going to want the Legend. It's going to happen. I kept saying it. Of course it happened. Of course it happened. And I'm saying that same thing with Super Rares. And I'm saying, so- yeah. And, and if and if Super Rares move, which way are Unique's going to go? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, interesting conversation. We got around a lot of things there that I hadn't planned on. But um, look, we could talk about all those topics much further, much longer. But there are a lot of questions that people have went and submitted. And I want to see you squirm a bit. Um, Dinner's so, ready. Dinner's ready. <laughs> Ciao, nice, nice nice so yeah, there's a couple of hard hitting ones here, but I think we have a nice one to start with actually, and it's one that I'm quite interested in. Do you know favorite color? <laughs> what was your life like before so rare? Like, what did you do? Did you collect cars? Did you bet? And what's well, your daily routine now? I had hair. Does that answer the yeah, question? Yeah, you didn't have a grey beard. Like, and I do find that <clears> interesting. <throat> you know, because I think like um, just to be quite straight up, you know. You're a multi-millionaire through so rare. I don't know what else goes on in your life. It's interesting to know what that means to you in terms of like, do you come? Have you had a very successful life financially? Did you come into so rare in a state like this? Or is this life changing money to you? Is it not? What's the crack? Tell us a little bit more about you. Or as much as you're happy to share personally, if you yeah, don't want to tell I, us, I, don't. I've, I've shared this before on, on, on our podcast. And I think, you know, when, when other people have asked me to, to come on and share a little bit. But uh, yeah, look, I mean, for me, I've I've always had quite a flexible lifestyle. I guess I've 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 been self-employed for you know since age eighteen. I've, I've run my own businesses. I've been a financial advisor, and then more recently a property advisor. So you know, yeah, I've had the ability to manage my own time, and that's the thing I value the most. So yeah, I mean, my background is understanding different types of investment vehicles, and and then also helping people to build wealth through property. So they're they're the two key things. Um, from a crypto point of view, I was able to dabble in that in 2018 when, you know, I was probably a couple of years late to the party, but, you know, finally there was someone that convinced me you've got to spend time doing this. And, you know, I was fortunate that, you know, I had a a business partner that, uh, again, I was able to, you know, wasn't stuck rigidly to a nine to five job, um, was able to pass the responsibility of certain parts of the business back to him, dabbled in crypto. Um, which eventually led to Sarah, which eventually led to me going, you know what? I can now put this to one side and concentrate on this mm. on a full-time basis. So I think the the common denominator through you know my working life has been the ability to manage my time. And, and right now, um, yeah, I think one of the questions of how do you spend your day? No differently to how I would spend your day working in an, in, in, in any other business. You know, you still get up, you still do certain things. You've got, I've got my own routines. Um, and a lot of that now, the routine is about finding football knowledge and applying mm-hmm. that football knowledge. It's still, 
trading. It's still negotiating. You know, I'm not selling a house, but I'm selling a card. <laughs> Crazily, some of the cards are worth the same value as some of the houses I used to sell. <laughs> um, and, 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 that's, and that's it. And it's always, and I think in any business, always trying to find an angle. And, and, and the nice thing now with Blackpool in having, you know, different meetings and interacting with fellow contributors um, that all bring something different to the table, all bring a different skill set. You know, there's, so there's always that learning capacity still. You're always picking up information off other people that you can put, uh, put to use as well. And, and hopefully, you know, what I contribute to Blackpool as well, people can, you know, not take a leaf out of my book, but they can see, you know, how I go about building the, my small part of the vertical that uh, it, it is part of the overall machine as well. So, yeah, I don't know if that uh, gives you a bit more of a, an insight. Absolutely, yeah. Um, fair play to you. That's great. Um, we'll jump on to a couple of the harder hit ones now. I, I can't wait to ask these. Um, I've been waiting all day. So has multi-accounting <laughs> ever been used by yourself or any of the Blackpool... Um, any of the Blackpool... I thought I heard you scoot in your chair. I thought you'd left and they come over to check you and I've lost the question. <laughs> has it ever been used by yourself or any of the Blackpool chain before so rare change the rules or is that just the community stir-mongering, scaremongering? I don't know. Oh, it's community stir-mongering. Simple as that. You know, what, re- what reason would... I mean, the thing... Let's, let's make a couple of things clear. And I know what one of the points is alluding to here. But why would I need to multi-account? What could I possibly do in another account that... That I can't do from my own account. Win not point not two twice a week. <laughs> It'd be too much of a ball ache. I mean, I'm I'm not skilled <laughs> enough to run a VPN, so I don't think I'm going to be in a position where uh, I I'd, I'd just lay the most obvious tracks to being caught red-handed. So uh, mm. no, I'm I'm fiercely proud of my account of my collection. I wouldn't mm. want to be sharing these cards with anybody else or siphoning them away to anybody else. These are my cards. This is part of my brand that I've built. You know, I want to stay at towards the, if I can, towards the top parts of the Swear Pyramid for as long as I possibly can. And, and, and mm. the only way I'm going to do that is through the collection that I've, uh, I've accumulated. So, uh, um, no, there's been no multi-accounting and there's no reason to multi-account as far as I can see. The next question is from F.I. Trent. So... Why does it? Why do you believe it's fair that a cartel basically wins all the rewards on so rare? Although he suspects you're not going to answer this. If I well, Trent, I've blocked this, this guy anyway. I've got no, oh. no, no airtime for this guy. So uh, you can, you can, you know, regardless of whether it was an interesting question or not, not, not going to answer him. Okay, that's no problem. I'll read it out. You don't have to answer. Just for people listening, and intrigued. Second to that, do you think it's fair Wales can enter all divisions only further improving their pool of players while chimps fight for not point not two? Um, apparently cartels are seen illegal as they're anti-competitive within the EU. So, look, that's on does you. He want, does he um, want to go and join the no-limit table with one $2, with one $2 blinds? Or, and he wants to step up and, and, and play for, you know, the 20 million jackpot? It's there's a, There is a pay-to-earn aspect of Surreal. No one's ever denied that. And it's, it's prevalent in many, many games until the games mature. Um, mm. Yeah. You know, my, my question is, my sorry, my answer is, is, is very simple. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got to find where your lane is. Sarare mm-hmm. offer the, diff, the opportunity for you to, as I say, turn 50 quid into 100, turn 100 into 500, turn 500 into 1,000. <clears throat> Operate within your financial means w- within, the, uh, within the framework that uh, is right for you. This is a nice one to fall off the back of that. 
maybe it's not a nice one, but it it's it's a one. Uh, so rare monkey who was on a few weeks ago. You can definitely go back and listen to that just before Christmas about a month ago now, which is mad. Time flies. Does all the shit you get in the socials get to you? Multi accounting and Blackpool negatively seem synonymous <laughs> with you. It seems like half the stuff is unfair and would get to me without people risking money early on. So rare it wouldn't be here today. Look at the graph behind me. Look at my smile. Doesn't, He's a happy know, boy. Look, I love a bit of banter with the best of them. Yeah, you can tell when it crosses the line from banter to, you know, people wanting to have a proper dig or trying to get a rise out of you. And as I say, pre-Blackpool, after I finished, you know, the Surrey community and Dan came in and, and, and took on that responsibility. Yeah, I probably had a little bit of free time on my hands where maybe I shouldn't have retaliated on certain things or risen and, or, uh, to a few comments. But it was a bit of fun. Since Blackpool, you know, I've got far too much to be getting on with to uh, to worry about, you know, what Joe from down the factory thinks about my uh, collection and uh, and how much I'm winning. If he wants to take uh, pleasure in uh, in trying to find a bit of banter in it, then then go for it. He can talk to his other three mates after everyone else has blocked him. <laughs> okay. So the next one is um, from GMSM96. If yourself or Blackpool's only stumbled across Sewer today, would you invest as much or invest at all? Or was being early adopters key to making the decision? Yeah, well, I think it's good. this one's a good question because I don't think it is possible to invest as much. You know, you've seen how much someone like Roxy or a bottle ball who've come in mm. with big money, even when you have the money right now, because Division One is seen to be, you know, by some people's you know, a closed shop. I think you can prize the door open and come through, but you have to pay for that privilege. But even someone that, like Roxy or a bottle bore, who in many people's eyes, oh, you know, oh, they've overpaid for this, or oh, oh, look how much he's spending, da 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 da. I tell you what, look back in three months, look back in six months, Roxy is laughing. Everything he's mm. spent, he's, he's, he's yielding back already. So, you know, but to answer the question directly, I think we would be a little bit more modest in in, in, in how much we allocated. You know, we've got you know, different processes in place now to make sure that, you know, we don't suddenly just go and spend a ton of money in one location without, you know, being pretty confident it's going to yield a return. Um, I think it's not about the money. I think it's more about the knowledge. If we had the money and not the knowledge, we probably wouldn't. If we had the money and knowledge, we probably would because we could see, I, I think we can see where this is going. I still think that, we're very young on first edition cards, special edition cards, first season cards. And I still think if there was a route to building a collection of these that you could then look back on in three, five, seven years from now, yeah, we'd have no doubt that these cards would appreciate in value. Plus we'd get some you know, yield off it. I think the only thing that would change would be our expectations. We go into each mm-hmm. game week at the moment, you know, Max you know, picked up the uh, Adiemi uh, Super Rare reward today. Um, AJ won the unique division. I think my prizes add up to about seven, eight ETH today. You know, we've had a 20 ETH game week. You know, we expect this year to make between 800 to 1,000 ETH of prizes without even taking into uh, consideration any trading gains that we have. Um, from a standing start, if we could see a way to make 100, 200 ETH off a 1,000 investment and we could see that being sustainable, then yeah, I, I think we'd find the funds for that as well. So, yeah, it, we would, but the most important thing is to have the knowledge, not the not the as much as having you know the disposable belief. Give me the thousand ETH, I'll build a gallery, and I'll come into Blackpool, and I'll give you a hundred ETH back at the end of the year. That'd be nice. 
Um, or not. Your silence speaks at all. We'll move on. <laughs> so we're bare. We have, ma- we, have, we, have many, we have many applications, John. We, we, we Do you actually get many applications? Do those people be, come? You'd be, be amazed from the people that they come from as well. Oh, drama. No, um, I mean, and I'm only you say no like, and they get better. No, no, it, no. In one breath, there's someone that is anti-Blackpool and then the next breath is like, oh, well, I could, I could manage a team for you if, if you need something else. <laughs> um, okay, so the next question is, it's not even a question, I just think it's funny. So Rare Bear says, when's a bottle board being unveiled as a Blackpool manager? <laughs> well, I really don't know when this goes live, so I don't know whether to say before or after. Um <laughs> I think again. Who is so, a bottle so, bore? Have you any idea who a bottle bore is? Have you heard anything? Hey, a bottle bore, they're talking about you. <laughs> you, want, you want to mean? <laughs> You're going to put now, on the voice friends, and stick on. <laughs> we're friends, we live together, okay? And I did ask for permission in advance to make sure they could they make these purchases from within the same, uh, from the same household. So it's okay. You're yeah? going to hold up like a sock puppet now and it's actually your multi-account. That's what's going to happen. I can smell it. <laughs> right, a real question. Uh, FI Gardener, how sustainable is so rare? What would potentially stop your continued investment into the product? Is there anything that you don't like? Anything that has alarm bells? It's I, funny because you've been asked a question to instill a lack of confidence in everyone who listens to this when you have so much exposure to it. So it's hard to kind of answer that no, one I, completely. I think any, any anyone with a substantial collection, you can see, you know, just from their transactions. You know, it's obvious when someone big wants to exit the game. You know, cards yeah. got for sale, cards get banded around quickly, you know. It's not a gradual process. Someone that makes a decision to exit the game, and, and this can be at any level, you know, could be one direct message to Pavel Trader and your, and your, and your gallery could be gone. Um, but even on the uniques where you would think they're slightly less liquid and will take time to shift, as long as you're pricing them right and you genuinely do want to exit. And if you've got, you know, there was a guy that um, I used to do quite a bit of business with and he had really, really strong Division 2 lineups. And like, we were competing at auction against each other for some good cards. And basically one day he was, he wanted to sell uh, because he was going to move into these uh, rare Pepe's. Um, and this guy was a football fan, football crazy. And you could tell from his gallery, he knew his stuff and he was winning prizes, but he was more convinced about the historical 2018 uh, NFTs. And he felt that he could make an even stronger yield from these and he sold up and it wasn't difficult. And I think, yeah, everyone will probably get to the stage where they might find another project or they've got an ambition to do something else where they think the opportunity cost is going to be greater than continuing to hold their cards at Sorare. And if they did need to realise the equity they got in Sorare to go and fulfil that, then absolutely great. I think the only thing that Sorare could do to change my mind and, and be less bullish, you know, I think the few blips that they've had in the last six to 12 months you know, they've earned that grace period because, you know, we've been through that. I've been through that from, from day one. If I, if we get to the end of this year and we don't see the real impact of the, the capital raise, the new staff additions, I mean, that might be the first minor alarm bell where you go, hang about, you know, what have you done with all this money? And, you know, what are these guys doing, you know, that, that, you, that you've hired? But I don't think we're going to get to that stage. I think the only other thing that could then potentially... Uh, it might be renewal of licenses, you know, for example, all of a sudden, no Bundesliga or no La Liga makes it a very different game. Um, so again, I think you just need to 
you know, and I know one of the questions was about Liverpool, for example, and, and, and we don't know about the Premier League. I think the Premier League has got the ability for Sarah to suddenly just just absolutely take off. But similarly, and we talked about this on your 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 drunk cast, is that if the Premier League doesn't come around for another year, another two years, which is still feasible, um, and we still carry on with the other leagues minus the Premier League, uh, that doesn't concern me. Um, I still have the confidence that at some point, you know, they'll get it, and and when they do, then that's that's it for everyone that's on board. Then will will we'll be you know, we'll be laughing. Would it concern you if next month, two months from now, I come out that Dapper or some, I don't even know if that would even be possible. I'm, I'm not big into other NFT projects. I'm kind of balls deep here. If some other big NFT project or just household name, this Fanatics who's buying up all these licenses and physical soccer cards and MLB, basically they bought tops um, and they're kind of taking over the whole physical card market. Let's say they bought the license to the NFT, they put out a nice pitch to the Premiership, blah, blah, blah. would it concern you if another powerhouse got that license and they signed it on a three-year deal, a five-year deal? Would that be an alarm bell? Like, it, would be, it has to be an alarm bell, but would it seriously concern you? It would be disappointing, but I also, but I think the beauty of, so one of the beauties of Serere is that it can be an ecosystem for 10,000 managers. It, it It's, for Sarah to be a success, it doesn't have to have a million users. Look what they've built mm-hmm. off the back of 10, 20, 30, and more recently, 50,000 users. You know, again, it can, Sarah could quite easily be downsized and we could go back to how we were 18 months ago and build an amazing ecosystem for 10,000 managers. It could be 10,000 high rollers. I don't think it'll ever get to that. It might be 50,000. It might be 100,000. So the nice thing is on Sarah's journey, yes, it would be disappointing if we had to look over the fence and see the Premier League being played by somewhere else. But um, I think Sarah has already proved that this is a game that, you know, look at other games that are starting up now, like things like Footium that uh, use fictional team names, fictional players. They're going to cultivate this, this, this massive cult following of, uh, of managers that want to, you know, build out. And I think Sarah's already passed that tipping point. Sarah has got a hardcore user base that quite happily every day now plays the rare Premier League doesn't Premier League doesn't even feature. Yeah, like yeah, I'm not leaving. But, but to answer your question, it, come, it, but yeah, it would be it would be disappointing. But that's not to say that it, it, it can't ever come because if Serrere keep improving like we want them to and like they want to, then at some point they're gonna they're gonna be able to go back to the table with the Premier League and go, you're the only one missing. And mm. Dapper Labs or, or any of the other big hitting, you know, gaming companies out there, if they manage to throw a crazy pitch and Premier League buys it, or they throw more money at the Premier League and the Premier League buys it, we've already seen one company squander the Bayern Munich license. There'll be others out there, you know, that you know, that clubs, clubs and leagues will still make mistakes. They might go with the wrong. They might kiss a few frogs before they end up coming to Sarrea. But if 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 Sarrea keep on the path that we want them to stay on and build on. Then at some point, I think Serrera and the Premier League will, will combine, and we obviously all want it to be sooner rather than later. But if it's later, then so be it. Plastician wants to know how your Trevor Brooking card ranks for you personally as a collectible inside your collection, and what kind of metric does Blackpool use to give a value? I am to not answering any questions to do with Trevor Brooking. That is bang out of order. I can't believe you've thrown in the Trevor Brooking one. Bring on the bring on the Blackpool one. Bring on the Blackpool ones. Um, <laughs> I like the Trevor Brookie card a lot, and I, I looked at—I think I paid like 275 quid for it back in the day uh, when Heath was 100 to one. Um, at the time, and I was trying to flip it 
at the time I was like, I just saw it as any other card. It was a 275 pound card. I knew there was one other really big West Ham fan on the platform. And I thought, okay, well, I've always got an exit if I want it because that person would quite comfortably buy it off me, but wasn't going to suddenly flip it from 275 to 300. I wanted a bit of, and then the longer I've owned it, the longer I've owned it. When you look back and I think there was a tweet from Sarah last week that said, we've done like 84 different editions of cards. Now what's your favorite? That Trevor booking card. There's only one with that background with mm. that, you know, that that's it. You know, even, even some of the real short print special edition runs have got 30 or 40 or 50 versions of them. Um, but that vintage, unique, black, one of one, retro looking, to me, it's even, it's it's not important now that it's Trevor Brookin on the card. It could be anyone. I like it as yeah. much for the for the background as I do. It's got the different West Ham badge in the corner. Yeah, it, it's a pretty funky cool. card. And with and with the addition of potential new legend rules and, uh, uh, and, um, and of course, the single scarcity divisions, um, we could be, uh, yeah, it, it could get some utility as well soon, which is something I never banked on. I ne- when I bought it, I never imagined that it would have any form of, of utility whatsoever. But yeah, if it takes on the form of a Thomas Suchik in the future, then uh, then great. This is actually something I did it uh, wondered. I was going to ask you, what does what is he technically classed as? Is he just a retired player or is he a legend or is he a coach? Or he, what is he he's, classed he's, as? He's, he's classed as a legend. So I think before the new legends that we all know and the ones that you've been gobbling up recently, even the Oliver Beeroff, if you own mm. an Oliver Beeroff, he's a legend. What so, about Beckham? Yeah, I think he's a legend as well, yeah. So I think if you own Beeroff or Beckham or Brooking, then these would or should conform to any new rules that they introduce for uh, for, for, for the legends. You'd like to think so anyway. Because remember when I seen the legends thing initially, I nearly went and snapped a Beckham off the market for an ETH. This was whenever it was announced because um, I seen there was utility and I was like, boom, legends, Beckham, utility, PSG, let's go. Yeah, and yeah. then I remember afterwards being like, oh, thank God I didn't buy it. And I can't remember why. So I don't know if they've changed it or I read it wrong at the time. But I remember thinking those cards didn't count. Anyway, we'll move on um, based on time. We've we'll Time for one or two more, maybe. Um Oh, this is not a question, so I'll just read it. A nice thank you (laughs) to you from Mark O'Sullivan. Not only were you the person who helped him get started by giving him a rare goalkeeper at the start, but he also convinced you to go after SO5 instead of being a collector, which has seen him win a lot of rewards since. Um, That's something I have a question for you about. And this is a weird one, right? And I'm kind of stealing other people's questions airtime here, but something I struggle with and I've struggled with for too long is... I really like the collectibles part and I really like rookies of sort of young promising players and I really like the older cards. And for example, I have a Ronaldo now. I don't know what he's worth, but like a few days ago or last week, he was worth one and a half eighth, maybe a bit more. And part of me is like, I really can't see Ronaldo yielding me that much in the next year because um, it's it's the uncertainty around United's form, whatever else. You know, that could turn around and they go on a hot streak and anything can happen. He could get a crack and transfer to a team where he's going to dick everyone. It's Ronaldo, you know, he... I can't say he's never going to give me utility again. But my point being, that one and a half eighth going into an Nkunku into my under-23s, I'm pretty sure I'll win a lot more out of that Nkunku than I will out of Ronaldo in the next year. But the collectability of the Ronaldo potentially, if this does go a bit more mainstream, if there are hundreds of thousands as opposed to tens of thousands or whatever, if there does get to a million people and there's only X amount of Ronaldo cards on the platform ever, one of the greatest of all time, in many people's minds the greatest of all time, 
that could be worth exponentially more than an Nkunku is at the minute and what he could potentially win me in the short term. And that's the that's the struggle I have. Well, what do yeah, you I think, think about I think, that I, conundrum? Yeah. Well, I think again it depends on, you know, you've got to cut cut your cloth accordingly. If you've got ah, the ability Give if me you've the got magic the answer. <laughs> okay, the it's magic killing answer me. is Okay, get magic answer is you gotta do what's right for you and what you enjoy the most. You know, yeah, do what right. you won't you know, do what um you know you you won't regret. Would you re- if you go for the Nkunku and you win a couple of ETH, fantastic, da, 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 great. Go back and buy the Ronaldo, assuming there's still mm-hmm. going to be a Ronaldo there. You know, can you win? Can you win Ronaldo's value by the time you think the market, the supply will, will, will dry up for him? I mean, he's not being produced this season uh, because he's obviously had the transfer from a licensed team to an unlicensed team that will remain nameless. Um, so. The bottom line is, is there enough people at the moment who are still looking to flip on Ronaldo and make a little bit of money here or there? Or is the entire supply of Ronaldo slowly falling into the hands of people that will go, you know what? I've got no interest in selling anymore. And that's that's the toughest part, I think, of, of the market to judge is that when you're after a player, and it's easier to see on super rares, you know, you look at the super rare owners. And, you know, for example, if you look at, you know, it's easy now because you can look at, you know, for Liverpool, I look at, Trent, Allison, Van Dyke, Salah. Okay, take a look at the core look at the core players, and you look at the super owners. And I'm pretty confident now you're not going to find many there that are buying to flip. They're not going, oh, I want that Salah at seven ETH because I think I can get it for eight. They're buying Salah to use Salah until Salah can be used no more, <laughs> or or they can see the opportunity to buy a replacement for Salah that can yield as as strong as Salah. So, and that's not even taken into consideration that these Liverpool cards are a short prints at the moment. So, Ronaldo, I think you've still got, I, you know, if I was going to be a betting man, I think you've still got a bit of time with Ronaldo because there are going to be some people that are on the fence. Can he still do it? Can he still do it? No. Oh, maybe he goes to the MLS. Maybe he does, this, as you say, have a season at another team where he rips it up for a year. But in the interim, if you're in Cuckoo, going to contribute towards more Araujo rewards once yeah. a month for the next few months then you can keep an eye on that Ronaldo market. And if you ever feel as though that Ronaldo market is drying up, which will be an you know, easy indicator will be price. It will go from 1.5 to 1.75 to 2 to 2.25. And you're like, shit, I better get back and uh, get on that Ronaldo yeah, train before yeah. it's too late. No, I, th- I think you're bang on. The thing that's getting me with him is like, as you say, it's that kind of, I mean, th- there's five of them on the market right now. Do you know? Um, and I think every time I look, there are a few people trying to sell. So it seems like quite a liquid market. It doesn't seem like it's drying up. Um, so maybe that's that's the answer I need. Maybe that's the kind of people tend to want right. cards that they they that aren't listed. You know, I think you know as many offers as I get, I would say over fifty percent of the cards that I have not for sale. You know, yeah, easily easily not for sale. I either get lowball offers on ones that I've got for sale, or I get offers on cards that I have no intention of selling. And then you know, occasionally once, two, three, four times a week, you find someone in the middle that actually does want a card that you're selling for a price that's fair, <laughs> you know, the rest yeah. of them, you know, they're, they're on completely different ends of the spectrum. Um, and I think, again, you just, you, you, you just found out in the space of a couple of minutes, there are Ronaldo's available. There's probably more Ronaldo's available than Hunkers, aren't they? Um, probably. Um, I could check that out, but I'm just looking there, even at like, what happened? Question for you. How many trends did you have? Cause you don't have many now. You've only two rares. Same as myself. <laughs> yeah, wheels, I, te- I, think, <laughs> I think I had 10 at some point. And then, because uh, I ended up wanting to buy a couple more to unlock the uh, 
last remaining achievement, uh, one of the achievements in the thing. I still haven't, I've never owned 20 of a particular car, but yeah, that one unlocked the old own 10 of one particular player. So yeah, I ended up getting to 10 on Trent and then I start, start selling them into the rally. I'm having a look here. How many does a bottle bore on these days? How many, how many Trents do you think he owns? Three. Max. Oh, he's got four rares. Four rares. Mad bastard. Um, okay, so yeah, I think that's about all we've time for. It's been an absolute pleasure. Look, something I do with people at the end of every week. Um, I didn't tell you about this before we recorded, but maybe you've heard it on the podcast. I don't know. This is a podcast brought to you by 1.37pm. So we're going to play the one thirty-seven game where you get to pick two players playing in game week 238 this weekend. You can have a wee look. You can take your time if you wish. I'll keep talking. Um, that you think will combine for a score of 137. So... You have to be strategic. It's almost, it's almost like the, nah. the mega game. No, nah, Liverpool are playing, so let's just choose two Liverpool players. Nice and simple. 137. They're going to score 200. No, not if you choose the goalkeeper. Um, so I'll choose I'll choose Alisson. So even if he lets one in, then Trent will get 100. So Trent and Alisson. Trent and Alisson. I love it. So Trent and Alisson, your answer. Last week's guest, Chani, came to 92. He picked Parejo and Brozovic, who I actually put in my first ever limited lineup um, by chance, but they scored 92, so for Chani. Um, and just another shout to everyone listening on Spotify. Make sure you leave a review. It's, just, it's not even a review. It's, you click five stars, it'll take you 10 seconds, it'll make me the happiest man um, in my house this week. So, yes, Mark, where can people find you or anything to say before you leave? Um, no, well, look, thanks. I mean, uh, the, the, I don't think the questions were, were, were particularly hard-hitting as you thought they were. If, if I haven't answered anyone's question and it really is something you want to know, then, you know, I can perhaps roll over some of these to the next podcast that we do. Um, we'll obviously get you on at some point as well, John, and uh, I can start throwing some uh, uh, some curveballs at you. Uh, but no, look, I'm on Affiliates are scumbags. That's that's yeah. what you hit me with the dodgy affiliate ones. Yeah. Anyway. No. Well, if you if you took that as if uh, th- there should be absolutely no offence because that was certainly not aimed at you. It was aimed at. <laughs> and oh no, not you! But in the community, like you, do, you see a wee bit. There's a wee bit of. I don't know if it's resentment or a wee bit of something, but there is a. There's a lot. Of, there's questions of affiliates within the community. A hundred percent. Money involved, John. There's money involved. But that's the problem. Even I look. I, I never take any of that shit personally, um, because. The way people use the affiliate system or how affiliates operate, it's so. I'm just glad you didn't. I'm just glad you didn't ask me about my uh, affiliate earnings. But if anyone wants to use my link to sign up to (laughs) (laughs) SoRare, anyway, sorry I interrupted you. Tell us the rest of your your crack. No, look, look, I'm on. You know, well, I'm on. You can find me via Blackpool. You can find me on on my own Twitter account. I mean, I I I use Discord now, but more more in more in sub channels to with, with with just people I've grown to enjoy talking with so um but um, my door's always open you know i might not be able to give you know i give generic answers like you a lot of the time as i say it's not you know i can't tell you who to buy and what price to pay for them um i can probably tell you how to avoid making mistakes but should i do this i'm I'm quite happy to say if i was you i would consider doing this instead but Mm. uh yeah my door's always open I've always got uh, some reasonably priced cards for sale as well uh, from uh, from unwanted prizes. So uh, I think uh, there are a growing amount of people that do drop me uh, offers within within minutes of uh, um, 
transfer in progress disappearing. I even had one guy the other week sent me, you know, will you take this for so-and-so? I'm like, I haven't even had any prizes yet. I haven't even seen that. So uh, people are checking <laughs> SO5 rewards <laughs> on Surair data and then telling me what my prizes are before I even open them. It's like, oh, let's, let's sport that one. Spoiler alert. Um, but look, no, as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to, you know, it's not about broadcasting my, my, my situation here. People know how to find me and hopefully they, if they want to, to, to take on board some of the things I'm saying. Yeah, very happy to, t- to talk anything surreal with them. Do you accept trades or just ETH? I would accept trades with... The thing is, I would accept trades, but it's probably not going to be on cards that you want to give me in a trade. I will want a better calibre or scarcity of card. I'd yeah. rather give you a card and some ETH for someone better, but I'm not going to take on someone that you probably don't want for someone that I probably don't want, if that makes sense. I'll give you inc- I'll give you Ronaldo and Araujo for someone who's a super rare. I don't know. I'm gonna go and come up with a, a crafty offer and send it to you. I need to get into more super rares. Anyway, that's for me to worry about afterwards. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, see you later. Yeah, thank you too. Good luck this game, we everyone. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. It was great fun talking to Mark. And again, just want to thank him for his openness and his honesty. Uh, Make sure you leave me that review on Spotify or Apple now. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for next week with some great guests coming over the next few weeks, actually. And it's not too late if you enjoyed this to go back and listen to the last couple. Uh, Chani was on last week. I highly recommend it. Have a great week. Best of luck on SO5. And I will talk to you soon.